0: Welcome to Lessons from the World's Best with me, Paddy Upton. In this episode, I share a couch with one of the world's best ever ultra distance trail runners, Ryan Sands. His journey only started in his third year of university when as a wannabe Springbok rugby player and non-runner, he entered the Nizer Marathon only because the half marathon was fully booked. And he mainly did this to justify the drinking and partying that would happen over that festival weekend. With only three weeks to train for it, His friend said he has never finished, but he did in about three and a quarter hours, which marked the beginning of a rather unexpected and quite remarkable career that followed. Ryan speaks here of his first competitive run, which was a 250 kilometer race across the Gobi Desert. At the time that he pressed enter in his computer for the race, he never even knew where the Gobi Desert was, nor what it would actually take to complete the 250 kilometers. He figured at the time, rather try and fail than not try at all. Four months of training later, this totally unknown runner from Cape Town surprised the ultra trail running world by crossing the finish line first. Some thought this was a flash in the pan until he went on to win the very next 250-kilometer Desert Race, and to top this, he became the first person to win all four races in the 250-kilometer Four Desert Series. In his first 100-mile race, he won the Leaderville 100-miler in Colorado, setting the third fastest time in history and the fastest time by a non-American. Within three years of this, Ryan became the first person to ever win an ultra trail race on all seven continents. From that accidental marathon at the university party weekend to becoming one of the most successful ultra trail runners in the world, Ryan then took his game to another and entirely new level. Him and his friend, Rainer Christel went on to set a new trail running record by running 1,435 kilometers across the Great Himalayan Trail in Nepal which included climbing 63.7 kilometers in elevation, which is the equivalent to running up and down Mount Everest seven and a half times. And they did this by running almost non-stop for just over 25 days. Only last month, Ryan and Reno returned from a successful run around Lesotho and the Drakensberg mountain range in South Africa, covering 1,100 kilometers in just over 16 days. He speaks about this trip and the preparation for it that ended up presenting far more challenges and threats than just distance, cold, snow and surviving some of the remotest areas without communications and with possible rescue being three days away. Ryan discusses his story, challenges and lessons openly and without filter and takes us on a journey into both his inner and outer world sharing what very few have or will ever experience. Please enjoy this episode of Lessons from the World's Best with ultra trail running sensation and all-round good bloke, Ryan Sands. Ryan, eventually we find ourselves in the same country, in the same city and in the same room. So awesome to be here and having this conversation with you.
1: Yeah, Paddy, really, really cool to, to catch up and yeah, listen to all your previous podcasts. So yeah, great to, great to be on. Oh, awesome.
0: Tell me, I've been intrigued. Did you have a dream as a young boy of being a great ultra trail runner? Where did it all start for you?
1: Yeah, I guess growing up at school, definitely didn't have that dream of being an an ultra trail runner. To be honest, I think at school I didn't even know the sport existed. Um, Yeah, I went to to school in in Cape Town to sack, so obviously growing up there, it was all kind of rugby and cricket. and I, yeah, I dreamed of being a, a Springbok rugby player. I always looked up to, to the likes of Tian Strauss and Kornak Um And yeah, at, at school, rugby went went pretty well. I played flank. I was maybe, or well, I was on, on the small side. Um, but uh, yeah, I played, played first team and then went to uh, ECT and then just got steamrolled one too many times and realised kind of the, the rugby dream was was over. And yeah, I guess kind of, Again, living in in Hot Bay and spending a lot of my youth at Lindadno also spent a lot of time at the, at the beach and and surfing and, and bodyboarding. So, did a bit more of that at at university. And it was only was it last year at university that I had some mates doing the the Nisner half marathon. And I thought um, I always went up to Niersna for for the party. So I thought, kind of, yeah, last year at university, I needed to be a bit more responsible at least have a, have a reason to go and have a piss-up. So, um, yeah, I tried to enter the, the nine and a half marathon. Entries were were full. So I thought um, half marathon, full marathon, same, same, and just entered the, the marathon. And, yeah, I remember all my friends laughing at me, saying, like, you know what you've got yourself into. And, yeah, on about two or three weeks of training, kind of ran the, the Neisner marathon and um, actually really it, enjoyed it to, to my surprise and, and all my friends' surprise, I actually finished it. And I think it was out there in Nisner that the running bug bit, but I think also just setting myself like a crazy goal and actually going out there and achieving it, just that feeling of fulfillment um, was definitely kind of, I think what hooked me and, and got me into, into running and then later on ultra trail running. I mean,
0: realistically, so you said th- three weeks of training for a forty-two k marathon. I mean, half fit, like you, you know, half fit were you, like, realistically, to run that marathon? And what what time did you end up running, or how did you do in that one?
1: Yeah, I guess in, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the like the smartest thing to do. Like, if someone said they're going to go and run a marathon on three weeks training, I'd say it's probably not the best idea. Like, I wasn't very running fit. Um, uh, but I think I'd always, I've always been an outdoor person, like whether it's at the beach or um, kind of just being outdoors. So I, th- I think I've, I've always had like a, a relative fitness. But I remember training for the, the Niasna Marathon. I, I think I did like two or three training runs a week. I remember my longest run was kind of, I think the weekend before I ran um, up and down Valley Road in, in Heart Bay twice. So that was like 18, 18 Ks. That was my kind of, Main training training run, um, so so yeah, and then the, the marathon. I think I ran a three three fourteen or three between three fourteen and three twenty. I can't remember exactly now. Um, which for Nijmegen, because it's quite hilly, was a was a relatively good time. Um, but nothing like I didn't win the the race or anything like that. Sure, and I can imagine the party, because I mean, I, I did a, quite a few knives
0: and then nice the half marathon. I mean, that's a proper party weekend, so that would have been a decent celebration you would have had after that. You built a good thirst.
1: Exactly, or well, actually the the crazy thing, I kind of went up there for the party, but I actually, I think I was so tired afterwards, um, had two or three beers and uh, yeah, I definitely didn't didn't party as much as I, I thought I, I thought I would. Um, yeah, and I guess that that's, She's fast forwarding, my personality, I've always been an all or or nothing type of of person. So I think a lot of people that see me now that I know from school or university, they're like, dude, what the hell got into you? Like you're the last person we would have expected to to be running 100 mile races or kind of multi-day races or kind of across the country. Um, And yeah, I I think at at school and, and university I did enjoy a good a good party i've always kind of enjoyed a good good um social life and i think for me it was just kind of kind of yeah I was, once i got into running it was just um again all or nothing and and i kind of as i say i probably or well, i did wing the, the training for the nice marathon but after that i definitely put a lot into it and started spending less less time hanging out with with my mates um, at clubs and bars and, and more time running and, and spending more time in the in the mountains so I think for me it was just a, a natural progression and then how
0: did how did you get from there to to really running that first like ultra like what does that what did that take how did you go about that
1: yeah so after nicener I came back to to heart Bay um, obviously some context for people that don't don't know Cape Town um, heart Bay is kind of a a small little village, or kind of, I guess, a little bit bigger than that. Now, on the back slopes of Table Mountain, and I joined the the Hartbeck Harriers, a local running club, um, and yeah, really quickly, I started spending more time running on the trails. I remember there were a couple of kind of smaller trail races coming coming up just after I joined the the Hartbeck Harriers, and a lot of the members were training for that. So. On weekends, I started running on Table Mountain, and I was like, "Flip! This is this is awesome." I remember as, as a kid, always like being on Lindadno Beach and always looking up at Table Mountain, just thinking like it just felt like quite daunting. Um, I was always looking like I just looked up at it, and it was just like, yeah, that was like too too big to to get up to. Um, and yeah, I think just as I said, like spending more time running up on on, on Table Mountain. Um, was, yeah, it was just a complete kind of game changer for me. And I guess, again, my, my personality being all or nothing, I entered a couple of local trail races, did relatively well. Um, and I think it was one one Sunday, I remember Googling extreme trail races and up popped the Four Desert uh, Series. Um, and the next race in the series was the Gobi Desert Race. I just read Dean Kornas's, his book. Um, he's a famous American ultra trail runner or kind of ultra runner Um, and I saw he was doing the series and I was like flip awesome I could let me enter I can I can meet him and I can also go and do a crazy race so how how far was that race or what is the extent of it yeah so that race was 250 kilometers it was a a multi-day stage race in 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 the Gobi Desert Um, and to to be honest when I actually first pushed enter or kind of uh, kind of put in my credit card details on the on the website. I actually didn't even know where the Gobi Desert was. I think <laughs> I was just am for, for a crazy ad- adventure. Um, and I probably should have done a bit more research because I actually didn't realise the price of the, the race, uh, which was the time $2,500. Um, so very quickly I had my credit card maxed out. I had to go to my dad with my tail between the legs and ask him for, a, for an interest-free um, loan. And... Um, you run across a desert that you didn't know where it was. Exactly, and, and, it, and it was self-supported, so you didn't actually get get a whole lot when you were there. Like, you had to carry everything. You got rations of water on, on a daily basis and then you are provided with a, with a tent to sleep in it at night. But apart from that, you had to do everything. So I think after pushing enter and, and kind of doing a bit of research and realising what I'd got myself into, the, the training and the preparation started and yeah I definitely I put a hell of a lot into into that and trained as best as I could I did a lot of a lot of research um, and at the time I just started working a nine-to-five job and um, which was quite quite intense and quite hectic so I just remember it was just literally kind of working kind of running when I had had time and most of the time I think I was too too tired to even eat properly I, I remember just kind of eating a lot of microwave popcorn just kind of I was just too shattered the, the whole time, so yeah, it was definitely a, a big commitment for me to to get to to the Goodyear's address. So I'm assuming you didn't have a dietitian and trainers in that. If uh, you were on microwave popcorn. popcorn, training. <laughs> no, I think luckily I was, I was I was a bit younger then, probably a lot more a lot more bulletproof. Um, but yeah, actually, I, I did get a get someone to to help me with training because quite quickly I started to pick up one or two injuries because basically I went from. The furthest, the furthest race I'd run was a 35-kilometer was trail race or a 42-kilometer marathon to trying to train for a 250-kilometer race. So, I guess looking back again, it probably wasn't the, the most ideal progression. Um, but I think that's that's the beauty of of being young and, in essence, naive and just, yeah. I, I guess just going out there and and kind of living life to to the fullest. I think at the time. I remember, like, at times just feeling like I was overwhelmed by, by the whole experience and having to train for it. But I, I just thought to myself, like, I'd rather go there and fail hopelessly than look back one day and think, like, what if, like, um, well, what if I try to do that? Like, where, where would that that have led, led me to? So for, for me, it's always just been give it a bash if kind of it goes up in, in flames. At least you've tried it. Just... So, what,
0: what did you study at university? Just to sort of parallel that, Because initially you were you were studying running, working
1: running. What did you study, and what what work did you start out doing? Yeah, so I studied quantity surveying. Um, my my dad actually studied the, the same. Um, he had a construction development company, so yeah, I, I guess growing up with that, I was always super keen on that. And then yeah, straight out of out of university, I got a job with Fair Faircare Property Developers in um, Cape Town. Um, yeah, which which was amazing. Um, I think I learned I learned a lot, and like very quickly, uh, yeah, f- found myself kind of in the I don't know if corporate worlds. That the right um, way to describe it, but like I felt I felt my I found myself in the, in the thick of things. Like um, yeah, working working really hard, um, a lot more responsibilities. So. Yeah like looking looking back now I kind of feel almost like sub- subconsciously entering the, the Gobi Desert race I think for me maybe it was a way just to escape all of that like it was definitely um kind of the 9 to 5, five job w- was awesome but I think sub- subconsciously it like it wasn't the the path I wanted to to take and and for me I think kind of kind of entering that that Gobi Desert race and and uh, kind of taking that that path was definitely yeah you know, as i say, like yeah subconsciously i think it, for, for me it was kind of the the kind of path i wanted to to take
0: it's interesting that you know often extreme athletes and you talk about how at university you just on three weeks training ran a marathon and then just on a whim pressed enter to run a 250k race in a desert you didn't know where it was it's like sounds like this crazy a lot of crazy people do it but Studying quantity surveying and going to work that's very meticulous and organized and detail, which suggests you you must be you either did this degree you didn 't want to do or you must be pretty organized and detailed and structured, even though you do this all or nothing some pretty
1: out there stuff for sure I definitely say like um, like I am quite structured and organized and and plan um accordingly and i think if i look back to all all the races i've done and projects and stuff you've got to be pretty um organized and plan and prepare and kind of look at each event and say like what what are my major challenges of that event going to be is it the distance the altitude the heat kind of terrain etc and and focus on that so i definitely think um like I brought that into the sport as well, but I think it's also important to, at the same time, have a bit more of a relaxed and and carefree um, attitude too. So I think having a good, a good blend, uh, really, has has helped me. So what's what were some of the sort of the the
0: things that when you went to bed at night and the lead up to that first Gobi race, what were some of the things you can remember going on in your head? I mean, what. What does one think before taking on something so big for the first time?
1: yeah I think like um, obviously a long time ago, I, I do remember kind of just thinking to myself once or twice like like whatever what have I got myself into into here and um, obviously the I guess the, the more I prepared for for the race the the harder and, and the bigger I realized the the like the event was um and I think even like I guess fast forwarding in in my career to. Like something like the the Greater Malaya Trail that my friend Rainer and, and Crystal and and I ran. I think like if you had to like ask me to do it again, I would say I'd say no ways. After knowing exactly what you, you're getting yourself into, so I think going into in, into the Gobi Desert race, my first one, I was relatively naive and didn't know what I was getting myself into. But definitely, kind of yeah, like I said, like up. I I planned for it I was I was pretty calculated I did a lot of research like going into the race because it was a multi-day race I, I kind of got myself conditioned to to running um for consecutive days on tired legs um I knew the race was going to be really hot so in my training I put like two or three jackets on um I remember running up um Chapman's Peak the one day and like a baking hot day at like Midday, so it was as hot as possible. And seeing this, this family drive past me, and I remember like the, the granny in, in the back of the car, looking at me and shaking her head, like, "What's this dude running up there with like three three jackets on? What's he What's he doing?" Um, and then I, I kept running and then they had stopped and they had started having a bit of a picnic and I ran past them and, like, waved and, and this kind of old granny looked at me and just said, like, uh, dun, like, just, like, looking at me like I was I was crazy. Um, so I, I guess a lot of people did think I was I was crazy, including kind of probably my own, own family, definitely friends. But I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think they were also proud of me for just going out there and tackling something of, of that enormity. Um, but, yeah I, I, yeah, I don't know if I've answered the, yeah, the
0: no, question. I mean, just, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's and then it goes to, so you arrive and, like, around the registration in the beginning, like, there's guys who there and girls who there who've done it a lot before, and I guess they, know they belong, and you arrive for the first time. Like, did you arrive with this cocky confidence? You couldn't have arrived with... Like real confidence, or do you have the imposter syndrome, or like what was going on while you were walking around? And actually, these when the rubber's
1: was about, or when the rubber's about to hit the sand. Yeah, um, I think like I've always been a super competitive person, and I think it's like more. It's not necessarily like at a, at a start line. It's not like I want to beat the people around me. Like I just want to be do the best I can can do and and make myself proud. Um, and I, I set high expectations for myself, maybe at times too high. Um, so I think going there, I was like, I told people like, it would be amazing if I could get a top twenty. I think secretly I wanted a, a top ten. Um, but I, I think going there, like no one knew who I was, so it was it was pretty pretty cool. And like like you say, like yeah, I was kind of this youngster and un, unknown. Um, so, so so going there. Yeah, it was really, like, awesome. I, th- I think for me, just going to China and, and we started, we had to fly into a place called Kashgar. It was just so out of my, my comfort zone that um, it was just, like, the whole thing was just a crazy experience. But I, I do remember the, a day or two before the race started, like, things started to, to kind of start to feel real. I was, like, hell of a nervous. Um, I remember the night before, um, I couldn't sleep. Um, as I mentioned we, we shared um, we, we we slept in tents and I slept in a tent with seven other people it happened to be seven Spanish guys that literally just snored the the, the whole night um, so I didn't didn't sleep at all I would like woke up just so nervous my legs were shaking like I was like kind of have I done the, the right thing you, you start to at like second guess yourself and and have that those doubts Um but yeah, I'd, I'd realized, I think for me, at, at the same time, I'd also, because I'd spent so much time, um, I'd invested so much of my time, so much financially, I'd, I'd committed so much to this, this goal that for me, like, kind of quitting or kind of turning around wasn't an option. Um and, yeah, lining up up at the start line, to be honest, I thought I was going to gonna throw up until kind of a few seconds before the start. And then, yeah, we started and I just found myself getting into a rhythm like there was no, no pressure. For, for the first time, I could just run and, and, and do my thing. And, yeah, I remember running and then just slowly but surely passing people and... I remember, I think, like I remember passing Dean Carnezas, and I was like, "Jeez, like this is this is crazy." I think it was about 50. Had you met him by then, or connected with him at all? Um, I'd said like like how's it to him, but nothing, yeah, no, no, nothing major. It was more just kind of say kind of saying hello to to someone you idolise and, and and look up to. Um, and yeah, I remember passing him, and then passing one or two other people, and getting to the final checkpoint, and. the the medical team saying well done you're in second position and i looked at them second place like are you you sure and they were like yeah the 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 first guy is just in front of you and i think it was like then that i was like kind of that that competitive nature how how far into the race was that of the into the 250ks that was so the first stage was was 40 kilometers so basically how the the race works there or that 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 race. There were four 40-kilometer stages, and then on the fifth day there was the long stage, which was 80 odd kilometers. And then there's a, a kind of 10 or 15-kilometer stage at the at the end. So and, I was, are, right, you, and are you running in like is it this like soft
0: desert sand, like running on the beach, or what's the terrain like that you've got to cover?
1: Yeah. So the the Gobi Desert was was quite varied, but a lot of very soft sand. It was also quite shaly. a lot of running in, in, in riverbeds, so it's, and it also got really hot. And also the altitude, um, I think we're running at just um, over 2,500 metres of, of altitude. So, um, yeah, it was hot and, and dry. Hot, and hot, what sort of temperatures in the middle of the day? Gobi wasn't too bad. When I say not too bad, like it was 36, Six thirty-seven, like under under forty degrees. But then the the Sahara Desert race, um, I remember the one day it was like fifty-one or fifty-two degrees. So that's just like stupid stupid hot. It uh, feels like you're running with a paper packet on your head. It's like you you're suffocating. Um, but yeah, I guess going going back to Gobi was that like last last uh, checkpoint. Um, and I as I think as I say that, that's where my competitive nature kicked in, and and I just started like running as fast as I could of that that stage, I think there were eight kilometers left. Very quickly caught the caught the, the the final or kind of the the first place runner and found myself in in first place and just yeah, I remember just kind of giving it my my all. Um and just thinking to to myself, I probably in the back of my head, like I probably wasn't gonna be able to kind of run the next day. Like I was going to be so sore because I'd probably gone too too hard that, that first day. But I just thought to myself like no other South African had won a stage of the the Four Desert Series. Um, like for me, it's has always been just kind of live every day as if it were your last, and I kind of just yeah gave it gave it my all. And, um, and yeah, you know, it was also quite a quite an emotional thing, just kind of being kind of one k out from the the finish line, seeing that the finishing arch, and just like not in my wildest dreams that I ever think I would like win a win a stage of the Four Desert Series. And also, like as I say, I always joke and say kind of nice marathon, kind of really didn't take it too seriously. But but the Gobi Desert, I like preparing for that, I put a lot in, into that. I gave it my all and it just I think kind of just showed to me that like like if you put everything you got into to something kind of nothing's nothing's impossible. And yeah, I think just crossing that, that finish line definitely were, were a couple of, of of tears and just yeah, kind of I guess uh, yeah just just really super stoked. How, how many? How long did you train
0: for that race? So I'm going backwards and forwards. backwards. I think
1: about four four months.
0: Four months. okay. So, yeah. that's not a whole whole lot to be tra- trailing.
1: Tra- no, maybe. Yeah, I was trying to think. I, th- I think I entered about November. November, um, and the race was in May. So may- maybe like five five and a half half months. And then the rest of the race. So yeah, I remember finishing that that day and like. The cool thing about, oh, the, the sport, when was that? That was 2006 was, um, or 2008, sorry. The sport's also like, from where it is there to to now, the sport's really evolved. So most of the runners, the, the even though the more elite runners were quite old, they were like in their, their late 30s where now kind of all the, the runners are in their, their early 20s. Like I'm just turned 40 now and I'm seen as seen as an old belly. Um, so a, a lot of the like, could hear a lot of guys were talking and muttering and saying, like, what's this youngster done? He's, like, not not going to be able to finish the second stage. Um, And um, so that that was the talk. Um, But I I think it helped me in in some way. So I was also, like, quite stubborn. Um, I just thought the back of my head, like, fuck you guys. Like, cool, if if I can do it today, I'll I'll try to do it tomorrow. And um, I remember waking up on on the second day feeling, being so stiff, um, like kind of standing up, trying to kind of... Put everything in my in my backpack, um, and having to put a heavy backpack on my back. Um, I didn't mention that, like, so because you carry everything on 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 your back. Um, your backpacks between eight to ten kgs. Um, some guys kind of have their backpacks up to twenty kgs. Um, so it is really really heavy. But yeah, I remember just being really sore and just thinking like how the hell am I gonna get through today um, did, did, did you sleep with the same seven Italians in the same tent yeah and unfortunately uh, yeah kind of you kind of you have your your tent mates for for the entire okay uh, we' were you, were you tired seven, enough to sleep through the snoring that night yeah luckily luckily I as I was, I was a bit more tired that night but yeah it was kind of one big takeout from from the race was um always travel with with earplugs which um kind of since then I've i started doing, but um, yeah, I guess yeah. Lining, lining up day, day two. Um, I, th- I think for me, I was already like kind of, like I felt like I'd achieved what I wanted to. Like if everything fell apart on day two, it was cool. I'd, I'd won a stage, which no South African managed to do. But also, there was there was a part of me that just thought, like fuck it, like let me just kind of make it, give it, give it my all again, and. Again, I started off quite conservatively and found myself leading the, the race with 5Ks to, to go. It was almost like a kind of a repeat of, of day one um, and did that for days two, three, and and four and, and won the first four stages. Um, but I, like, I think I only had a three or four minute lead going into the long stage, um, which at like, going in, 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 into the, the long stage, that was kind of the first time I thought, like, flip, hold on, like, maybe I could actually win this 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 race o- overall. And all of a sudden I started feeling a lot of pressure, a lot of nerves. Um, and also, like, going in, into the long stage, I'd never run more than, than 40 kilometres or 42 kilometres, let, let alone, um, I think it was 86 kilometres after running 160 kilometres over the previous four days and it was on trails and at altitude and in extreme heat. Um, yeah, but never. nevertheless, I remember lining up, also like being pretty pretty nervous and again, just starting, so we started and just giving it my, my all. Um, do you all start at the same time each day or do you start with your lead? So the first four days, we all start together and then on the, on the long stage, we actually, there was a staggered start, so the faster guys actually start f- further back just to to spread thing, things out. Um, but, yeah, I remember that long stage. And I think that was, like, the first time I really got into kind of... I was actually racing the other, other competitors and there was a guy that um, who I was... or had, like, a four-minute or three-minute lead on. Um, and we were kind of racing. And we were together up to 40Ks. Um, and I remember almost, like, forgetting to eat and drink um, and actually getting quite, like, out of it. I guess kind of bonking, which runners call it, which just really kind of being out of it energy-wise, um, yeah, just kind of feeling nauseous. Um, my legs were completely smashed, just kind of feeling super heavy, lethargic. Um, and just, um, but just like, yeah, I think just being like so focused and so in the in the zone, just wanting to to um, give it my, my all. And I remember kind of running into one of the aid stations and getting some water, um, and El Salvador, the, the Spanish guy was, was with me um, and then we, we yeah, took off um, and it was yeah, it was quite a crazy feeling because was, I was like so out of it. Um, to be honest, I didn't actually even know if I was able to, to run a, like another 10, 10 meters. You we were just like super in this little bubble. Was that the first time that you'd experienced that? level
0: of bonking or had that experience or had you, you had it before
1: yeah no that, that was like like the first first time and I, and I so like i was i was kind of feeling super out of it um but also at the same time it's like runners talk about like going to the well um, and it's something that that's like a, something that i really love about running it's just like being you just feel like so present and so it's almost like a like an animal type of state where you just like like nothing else matters. You're just like so so present, and um, it's weird because I remember it was the first time I'd, I'd been through that, and I remember just thinking to myself, like, like fuck it, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get to I'm gonna finish today, and I'm gonna give it my best to to win, even if, if I have to die out here. I was like pretty content and satisfied to die out out there, um, and I remember like that 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 feeling, and, and I remember after the race thinking about that and I thought like, geez, that that's a bit extreme, like. It's just a running race. Like, why do you like? How can you, like, think about dying out there? But it's it's weird. It's just like you get into that that headspace where you're so focused and, and so present, and it's just like you'll do whatever you can to, um, yeah, kind of take another an, another step or get to get to um, the finish line. Um, and and luckily, um, I remember kind of yeah, I started eating and drinking a bit more, and I managed to get out of that that low patch and and kind of um, well, I guess. Taking a step back or a step forward um, with with running, you, I always say, or with ultras and even marathons, you go through a number of highs and, and lows. And there are times when I'm so blown that I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to the next tree, um, and literally just kind of breaking that race down into that small little bite-sized chunk about just focusing, getting to that that next next tree. And then, yeah, after time, you generally go through that that low moment, and you and you kind of go through a high patch, which it's not necessarily always a, always a high moment. I think because you've been through such a crappy patch, it feels like a high to be able to to be feeling semi-normal again. Um, but yeah, running, you kind of go through a number of highs and lows. And I remember getting through that low, going through um, a high, um, and but then quite quickly hitting another low. Um, I remember going into the aid station, actually feeling quite out of, out of it. I was, I was a little bit dizzy and stuff, and I remember just actually trying to put my poker face on and actually, uh, because I didn't want the volunteers or the the medical team to to see that I was out of it, and I literally just grabbed water and, and got out of there as, as quick as possible, just to to keep going. But yeah, to to cut a long story short, um, I think again with about ten k's or so, I managed to put a bit of a, a gap on on El Salvador um, and and win the the long stage, um, and that basically sealed the the four desert or cannot the sealed. Um, Racing that the planet, um, the the the, um, the the Gobi Desert race for me, um, and I ended up winning that. And yeah, that that was definitely, I'd say, that the start of my um, ultra career. And and I think um, it was definitely it was kind of out there in, in the Gobi Desert that kind of the cog started to. Turn in my brain, to, like I started to think, like flip it'd be really amazing to to follow in the footsteps of someone like Dean Karnazes and do this on a on a full time basis. Sure, I mean, and that that is a hell of a start to to win your first to bite
0: that that piece yeah. off and then win the first race like that.
1: Yeah, it, it was definitely. Yeah, I think it it set it set me up. Um, definitely, I think gave me a, a lot of confidence. But to be honest, you you out in the middle of nowhere. I didn't like. You also you don't have any communications with the the kind of with your friends and family and stuff like that. Um, so the four four days series is quite a specific series of, of of races. Whereas a lot of the races I'm doing now or I have done in the past, the 100 milers um, or the ultra trail world tour, um, they're more like one day kind of you run 100 k's or 100 miles over over one day or 48 hours, like two days. And there's a lot more in- interaction and. Yeah, you know, I guess as as the sport has has evolved, there's a lot more media, and I guess you know what you're getting yourself into. Whereas back then, I was like elated to have won the Gobi Desert race, but I didn't know, kind of, that anyone even knew about it. Oh, my mind was blown that kind of. I remember. Um, speaking to my mom for 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 the first time after after running the race and she was like yeah the Cape Times is trying to get a hold of you for this um, I was like SABC where we're also trying to get a hold of me for a comment and I was like jeez, this is like crazy like I've just yeah I kind of I didn't know that um, anyone would have have picked up on on, on that so yeah I, I guess coming back to to that I realized that um, yeah, more people had picked up on it, uh, but but still, I, I still think I had a long way to go to become a, a kind of full-time professional athlete from from that. So, w- at what point did
0: did that happen, and how did that work? Was you know, you come back and you obviously got a job. At what point, or what did it take to go? I'm actually walking away from a job to to do this thing that you didn't even know was necessarily a thing.
1: Yeah, um, so that was in 2008, but. So after that, I did the the Sahara Desert Race and it was cool. I picked up one or two sponsors to to be able to fund the the race. It was just to to fund the race. It was amazing to work with someone like Professor Tim Noakes um, who helped me with training for for the the Sahara Desert Race because it was such a hot race and I was training in Cape Town in in the middle of winter, so I trained in an environmental chamber. Um, I'd also actually, after the Gobi Desert Race, spoke to, to Dean Karnasas um, and I still say, like, kind of, he was the biggest catalyst in helping me kind of go from working a nine-to-five job to to becoming a professional um, ultra-trail runner, which, which was a profession that actually didn't really exist. Um, what is
0: it that he said to you? How did that happen? Would, what was the impact he
1: had? We were actually talking after the, the race, and I remember him saying to me, like, awesome like you did really really well and i was picking his his brain and asking like kind of because he was sponsored by the north face oakley some really big brands i remember like just asking him lots of questions and i think just trying to figure out like how do you do it and i remember him saying to me um like winning races isn't going to get you sponsors and at the time i was quite taken aback and i was like just like you sour grapes i beat you type thing um but it was only kind of a few weeks afterwards I started thinking about it and, and I started to to realise that like and I think I think it was also coming back to Cape Town, like I'd, I'd got some media and people started to know about me but and then I started trying to find sponsorship and it, w- it was actually really hard like um, like I was I was backing I, I was like quite frustrated I was like jeez like just won this big like race surely you could able to pick up, up sponsorship and and very quickly um, I realised that yeah again like becoming a professional athlete and getting sponsorships is it's not just about winning races you need to kind of grow a brand um, you need to do a lot a lot more and kind of looking forward now like I feel really sorry for young up and coming athletes there's a hell of a lot you got to do with social media creating a, a brand um, and, and doing like appearances being approachable kind of being happy to answer people on like so many different different platforms. Like realistically, you could just spend your, your whole day kind of answering questions and and um, in, interacting with with people. So yeah, again, going going back to after the Gobi Desert race, um, yeah, there was there was a lot of like learning that that took place. Or again, kind of um, yeah, really just kind of trying to. I guess I guess Sun is the best best way to describe it is, like kind of applying for a job, but not. Not knowing kind of what job you're applying for, or kind of what skills you need need to have, so I really had to to try and learn those skills or figure out what skills I needed to have. Um, but I was I was fortunate that I did the Sahara Desert Race after the Gobi Desert Race, and Dean Karnazes was was there again. Um, and again, just chatting to him definitely helped me and and gave me the confidence. Um, I think it was like after the Sahara Desert Race that I decided. Um, I won that, that that race, so I think it gave me confidence that I wasn't just a one-hit wonder. I could um, do it again. And it was after that that I, I spoke to Faircap Prop Developments and said, like, at some stage, I would love to do this on a full-time basis. Um, I don't have enough sponsorship to to get by yet. Um, so they very kindly said, well, I could work part-time. Um, but I guess working for a, for a prop development company, things for them were super busy. So... Um, working part time didn't quite work out. Um so I think it, like I did that for three or four months and then I just yeah, I thought stuff it, let me just go for it. As I mentioned previously, I, I I've always believed that like I don't want to look back on life and regret something. So I actually kind of quit my job and became a professional trail runner without actually having it. I had I had some some funding, but I didn't have enough kind of money to, I had enough kind of funding to get by for six months, not not any further than that. So I very quickly had to to make things work. But like I said, I, I would rather have given it a bash than um, like look back in ten or fifteen years and thought like what if what if i, I tried that. So yeah, luckily I, I took I took the plunge and it all seemed to things seemed to fall into place. But it yeah, it it, it it was tricky. Like I think a lot of people always think that like being an ultra trail runner, you just wake up, go for a run. Kind of sleep and maybe go for a massage and then go for another run in, in, in the afternoon. And in my early days, I was working way harder than what I was when I was working as a, as a professional at Faircap Property Developers. Um, I think it was trying to fit all the training in, try and get sponsorship. Um, social media just kind of popped up. Then there were appearances. Um, yeah, just really kind of building a building a, a brand, which. Um, yeah, it took a lot of a lot of hard work. But um, I always say like if you're passionate about what you what you do, then it's I don't know, for me it's I look back now, I've been a pro athlete for fourteen or fifteen years and yeah, there has been some like there's been a lot of slogan and hard work, but I, I don't I don't see it as, as, as that. For me, it's been a life changing journey. Kind of interest who were a couple of the early
0: people who really backed you or or put their yeah, put their back behind you.
1: I think like the first like big kind of sponsor I had was was Pernutra, Bacoma, for the the first first year. Um, but then I've been yeah. I think for me like all my my partners, I, I call them dream givers because without them, kind of nothing would be possible. Like the likes of of Salomon, Oakley, um, and and Red Bull have have been with me uh, all the way. And then I've also had guys like. Velocity uh, with Trevor McLean Anderson, which was like a he, he supported me. There was never like it was, it was never about the return. He just wanted um, wanted me to to be able to um, kind of achieve my my best. Um, the guys like like him that that really backed me, um, and then guys like kind of more recently um, faces. Um, so yeah, I've I've been really lucky, and I, I always say like I think so much of. of I guess the, the world's a small place. It's, it's so important to be to be loyal. Um, and I, I think I've always tried to be as loyal as, as possible and I think that's that that's paid off. I think I've seen like a lot of young guys make the mistake now they'll they'll have a partner and then someone will offer them kind of an extra five t-shirts and they're like, cool, I'll take that rather instead of just kind of seeing things for, 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 the, for the bigger picture for sure. It needs it needs to be mutually beneficial, but I think just kind of really having that that loyalty and and, and working together um, is 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 important. I think that term "dream givers." I'm gonna f- uh, flip and love that. It's awesome rather than sponsors or partners. It's... for sure. I think I've, yeah. as I said, I think it's it's like working together. And a lot, a lot of people say, like, what goes to your mind when you when you're kind of out there running a race and things get tough? And I always like running is an individual sport it's it's a selfish sport but i think i've had so many people support me along the way i feel like i'm running a lot more than, than for just just me and um, whether it's like my dream givers or kind of people that have helped me with training or kind of invested in me or kind of being like proudly south african and, and kind of knowing kind of kind of what we've had to come through as 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 a country um yeah, I, th- I think it's just, um, yeah, something that um, kind of, yeah, it's definitely kind of fueled me along the, along the way. It's interesting you say that. I mean, it just, I just connect to how many, like I've been
0: involved in some World Cups in the cricket front, sort of some finals and obviously study the mind and that. And it's amazing how one of the most common themes in those really difficult times, the people who get through it or people who have something greater than themselves to, to do it for, and very often the people who bottle or choke in that moment, it's all about them and themselves and their performance and their results. And when it's about you, it becomes very difficult, I could imagine, in those really difficult times because it's so easy just to stop because you, it's just you who's stopping. But when there's something great or a lot of other people you're doing it for, it makes it more difficult to stop and easier to push through those
1: really, really tough times. Yeah, for sure. I think that's uh, like really, really interesting. And definitely, like as you mentioned that, that's definitely... Like being the being the, the, the case for for me um, and I say it's it's weird like I'm not a I'm not a um, very religious person but I'm, I'm super spiritual and it's weird like I talked like I mentioned like when you're kind of really going through those low moments and you're kind of quite like in in the zone or kind of it's it's quite um, tough um, for me those are some of the best best moments where it's like really spiritual um, and like people I've always, kind of looked up to someone like my my grandfather um who uh you yeah, just had that kind of carefree attitude um i think he kind of received his or got his um inheritance on his 21st birthday and, and took his friends all his friends on on around the the trip i mean ar- around the world trip um and blew his entire inheritance and i guess a lot of people say it's pretty reckless which it probably it probably is but on that that, that trip he met um, my, my grandmother his 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 wife so i guess it it, it worked out but um yeah I cut cut a long story short it's definitely for me um like I feel when i'm out there I feel like super connected to him or even since my dad's passed, sometimes you like out there and you just feel that 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 connection or even as as you mentioned like there's just so many people that have that have like helped me it definitely as you say it's just giving up is not an is, 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 is not, not not an option when people have invested so much in you so, so maybe an individual sport is not actually a, an individual sport. I mean, in
0: one way it is, and in another way, real success, it's not. You've, you've got those people, and as you said, you've always got a team from your dream givers to everyone else. You spoke earlier about, use the term going to the well, and I think there's yes. different, give us a bit more of an insight into what- Going to that the That experience, well. going to the well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like going, Going, going going to to the well and it's almost something like people say like running in 100 miles that must suck like why why do you do it and for sure there's it <laughs> there is a lot about it that I guess that that sucks but I, I think for me something I know when I'm gonna have a good good 100 hundred mile or, or a good ultra race is like when you're really like looking forward going to the pain cave or to the well where you just it's weird it just feels like you you like an onion. You're able to strip away all the layers, like all the impurities, and and you're just like super pure or like super core. Cool. Like when you're there, like you just feel very like primal and very real. Like nothing else matters. Um, and it's like it, it's yeah. You know, it's just like it's it's an amazing um, experience. You're just able to like think so clearly, and it's just like. You're in pure survival mode. I think is the best way. It's literally just putting one foot in, in in front of the other, and like as you say, you don't know if if you're going to be able to to put another foot in front of, in front of the other. So it's just like you're so present. Like there's nothing in in life that's ever taken me to such a such a present state, but like such a tough tough state. But I, I think kind of afterwards, like coming coming out of that, it's just yeah, it's just like a like God, just such a um, incredible um, feeling, but. To get there, it's weird. As like a lot of things need to align. Um,
0: For example,
1: so I say like I run a lot of, or I run a lot of ultras, and I'd say going to like the well like properly, I've only probably been there like five or six times, and it's like when you go like that deep to the well, it's generally like quite a surreal experience. And when I think mean things have to align, like you have to really be able to push yourself, so. Generally, it's like when you actually have a really good good run, and like physically, you're able to push yourself to like a place, like mentally, kind of you didn't know you could could go to. So it's almost like I feel it's like
0: is it a, is it a physical end point or is it a mental end
1: point or what combination? There's there's a combination, but I, I, th- I think it's like you need to be able to push to like. You need to be able to push yourself physically but it it's 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 more of a mental state but you need to be able to get into a physical position that you you're you like able to take yourself to that 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 place mentally so I think it's like going to the world it's like just being able to kind of bore down to like a yeah you know, just somewhere that like you' you've never never been to um and it's weird I think it's like like every so like you go to the world and then it's like to go there again, you almost need to go a bit a bit deeper the next 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 time. So,
0: and how long about would you
1: the the, the five or six times you've been there? How long do you spend in that space? Or, it's like ranges from like half an hour to to an hour, um, maybe sometimes like a bit longer. and um, generally like right at towards the end of, of, of a of the race. Um, and then you kind of go into it, and then you tend to come out of it, like just just before. And do you remember much? Do you when looking back, do you remember much about the experience and the thoughts? And it's like now that you mention it, it's like not not too much as weird It's like a quite a quite an interesting state. It's just like like you, there there aren't like a lot of thoughts. I guess it's a bit like like meditating, where you say you like like you declutter, it's like you shouldn't have too many thoughts. Literally it's just like kind of putting one one foot in in, in front of the other and just trying to like move as 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 quick as possible.
0: I mean tech technically that flow is it, that would be the flow
1: state that it was is well the wellness like, flow state is it the same or, or it's 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 same, it's similar, but I think it's like almost like one level level down. I think it's like going into the flow state but after like running like a hundred odd odd k's when you kind of go into like you're really fatigued and you're fatigued physically and and, and mentally and then able to kind of so it's a level deeper than a
0: a, a cricketer who's on, who's been batting for an hour and a half and physically is absolutely fine but gets into a great mental flow states yeah the, the running after 100 miles it's you're going through a whole lot more stuff to get to the well as maybe
1: yeah another layer or two. I would, yeah, I'd, i would, i, would, I would think so. I, I guess, yeah, I suppose, kind of, I haven't been there as a, as, as, as a cricketer, but I'd say so. I guess, maybe it's like after, after be, like, batting in a, in a, in a test match when you're in, in, in the second day, and you, kind of, just, um, super focused on trying to save a, a test match or, or win, a, win a game, and it's just you kind of, yeah, just in that. I mean, they do talk about risk,
0: about the flow state or the well being a. The technical term is state of hypofrontality. And I'm not just saying it to try and sound clever. But hypo means less frontality, refers to the prefrontal cortex of the thinking brain. So the flow state is actually a state of very little activity in the thinking brain. So there's very little thinking and that's one of the reasons why, even when I ask you now, I was hoping you didn't have an answer because then you'd refute the theory. But there is actually very little thinking. So it's difficult to go back because you have to go into a thinking brain to explain the experience. But the experience doesn't happen in the thinking brain.
1: For sure, because like you're asking, like the flow state, I'll do like a long training run and I go into the flow state and you're just like in the zone, you're doing a run, it is a completely different experience to kind of when I say kind of going to to the world. I don't know, it's like, and it's almost like, I don't know, I feel like it's a bit of a, like an out of body experience. Like you kind of, you're almost able to like look down on, on, on yourself.
0: So scanning that
1: 14 year career since those, you know, your first
0: two that you that's spoken about here, yeah, those first two of the desert races, what have been sort of some of your real, High and also some of your real difficult or difficult moments over that time
1: yeah um, I think like or like looking looking back obviously I've I've been like lucky enough to to run on all, all seven continents um, kind of win a race on, on all seven or win an ultra child race on all, all seven continents and kind of win some some pretty big trail races but i remember a few years back writing a book and um i don't know i think like what you what you think are going to be those big career highlights actually actually aren't the um it's like i don't know like winning winning the four desert series was special or kind of western states but it's not it's not something i look back on or kind of want to be like remembered by i think they're there's some like just yeah, smaller moments that, 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 that stand out. Um, even if you say, what's your, your proudest race when I would say kind of, um, our dog Tandy, um, we ran a what's a K9 search, search and rescue four kilometer race. Um, I think it was in like 2016 and it actually, came, was it, yeah, I think it was 2016 or 2015. And I'd actually been going through, I'd Got glandular fever that year and going through a really rough, rough patch. Um, and to be honest, I thought maybe that was the end of my career. I was just not, not enjoying it. I remember winning the the race um, with her, but like it wasn't so much about winning the race. It was just like just sharing that like stoke.ness I remember, like we've got a photo of us at at, at the finish and you and your dog. Yeah, and she she's literally grinning from 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 ear to ear. Um, so I think it's just like a, a small like it's it basically like I think it's the smaller things in in, in my career that that um, stand out and, and things like being able to to give back um, have been really rewarding um, out of accident I started something called the 14 not the 14 sorry the, the 13 peaks in, in in Cape Town and Just hearing some of the stories of people that have done that, it's like you kind of start and finish at Signal Hill and and you tag 13 peaks in in between that and finish back at Signal Hill. Just hearing some of the people's stories from that, just like for me, it's just so, so rewarding. Um, But then, yeah, jumping into some of the the low moments. um, Yeah, there have been a a couple in, or I say more than a couple in in my career. And and looking back now, I'm really glad I went through them. and I think I wouldn't be sitting here now if it, if it wasn't for those low moments. I think it's it's only when you kind of go through adversity and have disappointment and failure. And I don't even like the word failure because I think for me, like, failure is when you don't try something, you don't do, do something. And for me, like, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way or things haven't gone according to, to plan. Um, and it, at the time, it's it's a bitter pill to, to swallow and the times when I thought maybe... I'm not gonna get get through that, but I don't like to consider it like failure. I feel like it's it's just it's a situation that has forced me to learn more about myself and to and to improve. Um, yeah, there've been a number of times. I think like early on in 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 my career, um, I won like I mentioned the Gobi Desert race and the Sahara Desert race, and then in 2019 was the first time I had like proper sponsors that were backing me to to make ends meet in my first race. Um, yeah the it was in in namibia it was another multi-day race um and i ended up coming second but on the first day i had an absolute like shocker. i think i ended up i ended up coming second but i like mentally i just completely lost it because i found myself in like eighth place which now sounds pretty stupid but like mentally i was just like i've got all these sponsors all this pressure like I've got to go and, and win the race. It's like win the race, or kind of that's the end of, of my career. And, and like very quickly, I was like doubting my, myself. Um, but yeah, cut long story short, like I saw that that race as a failure, or I was kind of disappointed with it. Like looking back now, I don't I don't see it as, as, as a failure. And then they've I mean to just to just stick with that. Yes.
0: So, so what is it what is it that you didn't get right in that race. I mean, was it was it a lack of training, a lack of strategy, or your head in the wrong place? Is there something that you didn't quite get right that held you back from what you could have done?
1: Yeah, the first the first day, the time I lost on, on the first day to the guy that won was like the the gap that that he won with at at the end. So mentally, I just lost it on the on the first the first day, as I say. I was running with him for the first ten k's, and then he just pulled away, and just mentally, I just, I just cracked. Uh, so, what does that
0: look like mentally? What does cracking look like
1: compared to if you had have just got it right? What did you do, get wrong in your head? I think it's more just like panicking, and then when you when you panic, you just go into a bad space, and you start focusing on the negatives, and like you're saying, like should I be here? You're starting to have that that self doubt. So, if we could
0: get into your head. What were some of those thoughts? that you reckon was going on in your head then?
1: At the time, I think it's, like, a lot, like... Like, just, like, I'm not, like, not good enough to be here. You start to, like... And the problem is, like, mentally, if you start doubting yourself mentally, it starts to become physically. So you kind of... I remember we were kind of... I think we were running down in, in, into the Fish River Canyon and, like, my legs started to feel heavy. I remember, like, tripping and falling over rocks and I was, like, clumsy and I was just, like... Like, I'm not, I'm not good enough to... To be here and I always say like that like self-doubt is, is a bit like driving with the, with the handbrake on and um, you just really just you start to like slow down you start to doubt yourself um, and also for me a lot of what I do is like for sure them like it's not like I grin from ear to ear and I love every second of it but I still like enjoy the, the experience and when you stop enjoying the experience and you start to think like why am I here like I don't want to be here um, like you stop just taking it in, um that's definitely when you kind of yeah it starts to it starts to f- fall fall apart and why do you think it happened then specifically? I think I put just put too much pressure on on myself, but as I said, like I think going into that namibia race i had I had um sponsors actually at the same time uh, a good friend of mine, Dean Leslie. He was actually filming the, the race for a potential documentary. Um, I, th- I also kind of wasn't float- floating underneath the radar. Um, there was media there. All of a sudden, they were like wanting to do interviews with me beforehand. They're asking, like, do you think you're going to win the race? And yeah, all, all, all of a sudden, like, for me, I, I went from running the Gobi Desert Race as no one knowing me. It was just me out there wanting to be the best I could be to suddenly running this race with all, I felt like all these outside expectations on me and, and all of a sudden, yeah, I think I had to kind of process all of that um, like after day day one and kind of really have a good, like think about like kind of what was I actually doing here and, and, and just to remember that like, like why I actually started this, this whole kind of adventure in, in, in the first place.
0: So let's say your, your son was, Found himself at some point in a similar situation. What advice would you give to him before starting, knowing that stuff's going on, but before starting that day one? What advice would you give?
1: Yeah, I think like the biggest like don't don't care what what other people think. Um, I think the main thing, as long as you can look yourself in the mirror and know like that you've done the best you can do, I think that's that's good enough. Um, and flip it's easier said than said than than done um but i think it's that just just purely being able to 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 be able to look yourself in in the mirror and be able to high, high five yourself afterwards and know you've given it your your best shot um you, you did the best you did yeah did the the best you can do would, would be kind of my initial initial advice and also just go out there and have fun um i think don't take life too seriously um, as well again which at the same time maybe i'm contradicting myself because a lot of people say awesome but like if you hadn't won x y and z or you hadn't performed at those races like you wouldn't be able to to do you wouldn't be able to become a professional athlete but i think it's just yeah i think through going through through that, that that process and that happened in what year 2019 2019 so that so so the the namibia race that we're talking about now was my first race as a fully professional athlete so i think all of all of that I, luckily i managed to kind of get out of that 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 headspace like after after day day 1 um but yeah as i say i, I definitely did, did lose it mentally but that's i mean that's that's a nice lesson that, that you hear you
0: 11 years into a serious internationally, one of the top international ultra trail runners in the world, 11 years into it, even you managed to make the mistake of losing your focus by worrying about what other people think, thinking about the sponsors, thinking about the results, and as a result of getting, taking yourself out of the process by thinking about the wrong things, you start then doubting yourself, you start making mistakes, and you end up having, yeah. putting toge- uh, together a fairly below par performance and you've done it to yourself by allowing yourself to get caught up in those distractions. Yeah. So, but it can happen to you, it can happen to anyone else. But you've pulled it back within a
1: day. For sure. But I mean, that's I'm like also saying like looking, fast forwarding 11 years, that's like happened to me a number of times since then and even kind of sitting here now, there's one big race left that it, oh, it's kind of in the last couple of years has become the, the pinnacle. Trail event in the world, Ultra Trail Mont, Mont Blanc. Um and it's the one event that's like eluded me or kind of I've started four, four times and I haven't finished. And there have been physical things that have gone gone wrong. But I think I'm if I'm able to like look myself in the in the mirror, I think I've I've realized now it's there's like there's been a like a certain mental side of me that's that's like allowed the physical things to 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 go wrong. And it's like it's made me realize that like I actually Kind of need like to like do some 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 work in, in that that department, so I think it's yeah I, I guess and that, that's something I love about sport and I guess the the sport of of ultra trail running I think you you're constantly learning along the way it's always like you think, cool, I've got this waxed, and then shit just falls apart in the next race, and you've got to put things back together, and that's both physically and mentally um and i I think even like maybe I'm jumping around a bit. But I remember, like, early on in my career, I did some work with, with Professor Tim Noakes. Um, and I think he said my, my greatest gift is my my mental ability. Um, and I think at, at the time, again, I was like... Like, it was weird. like I almost, like, wanted to say, like, or kind of what about my physical ability? Like, it was like I was a little bit... Not taking back. I was like... I was hoping he would say, like, he's, like, kind of... His physical ability is is awesome like I didn't have anything like I don't have a crazy VO2 max like my running economy is 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 really good but like most ultra runners that journey is the case um but I think like looking back now that that's something I'm really proud about is is my my mental ability and I think it's something that I like has given me an advantage I always say when it when it comes to the top competitors now I think they're all on the same physical ability and it's just often the guys that on the day kind of have have like either wanted more or kind of are mentally more headstrong uh, are definitely the guys that end up performing. So you've still,
0: are you still going to do a, a ultra trail mont block?
1: Yeah, I've got it okay. yeah, coming up now in... Um, End of August, okay. so that's, yeah, big. So, so, so I'm not going to
0: publicly put you on the spot and, and dive into your head around that, but no. I am going to ask I'm you, what, to... what is the one, yeah given your four, which, the four times you've done it before and your experience, what is the, the main piece of advice that you give yourself that if you could follow, it'll at least get you in a better place than you have been before around that race?
1: I think, um, or... Like, as you know, I've just come out of a big project in, in Lesotho. And I, I do want to talk about that a little yeah. bit as well. But I mean, so like, yeah, I was quickly, like Rena and I ran, circumnavigated around Lesotho, but I, I think I spoke to you a few times. Obviously, you were you were at the IPL already, but just around my headspace going into that. I did a few reckeys, but something that freaked me out a bit after those reckeys was I couldn't visualize myself finishing. And it's weird, like, like the big races I've I've won it's weird, you just, I can just, visual, like before the race, I can just visualize myself winning the race. Like Western States when I won in 2017, like it was like a month or two before the race, I could see myself running kind of the race finishes in Auburn at, um, around the track there and I could see myself finishing like the race in like first place. So it was, it was, it was weird. You just you just got that, 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 that feeling. Um, uh, but yeah, kind of, with Lesotho, I couldn't see myself finishing the race, and it was something that like freaked me out a bit. And I had to do quite a lot of like mental work and actually listened to a, a lot of a lot of podcasts and spoke to you a bit. But to cut, cut a cut a long story short, just th- what is the distance that you covered in that run? Was a thousand one hundred kilometers. Um, so again, like I've done previous projects with Reno. Reino, Reno, we did the Great Himalaya Trail, where we ran thousand six hundred kilometers uh, from one side of the Himalayas to to the others, and there were some pretty sketchy situations and then I did one or two reckeys in Lesotho and again there were one or two sketchy situations and it, yeah, as I say, I suddenly started th- thinking to myself like if I can't visualize the finish, does that mean I'm not going to get to the finish from like am I not going to make it through through this um, and being a father now, it, it, yeah, it kind of really threw me off a bit but I think obviously jumping forward you yeah. said one or two one or two sketchy things happened. Yeah. For example? Himalayas or um, Lesotho? Yeah, I, th- I think, like, Himalayas, um, like, the people there were amazing. Like, we could rock up in a little mountain town of three or four houses and at three in the morning, and they would open up their, their house and let us stay there. Kind of open, like they literally let us sleep in their beds the people like gran and i wouldn't have made it through that project without the generosity and openness of the people but we did have one bad instance right towards the end where we got chased uh which yeah i don't think or definitely kind of things wouldn't have ended well people. yeah by kind of five or six six guys i think they weren't on drugs um right near the, the Indian border. Um, and then also just with the weather-wise, rainer got frostbite. We found ourselves in really sketchy situations. And then in, in um, Lesotho, some of the, the dogs up on top of the mountain, we, we kind of had some, some pretty sketchy situations where I suddenly had like a pack of eight dogs on me and I was trying to fend them off with, with my poles because of the, the theft, the, the stock theft up there. Um, the local herdsmen have some, some pretty crazy dogs. Um, and um, yeah, they're, they're not always like the dogs. Sometimes roam with the uh, with the sheep. So yeah, kind of we just had some some yeah sketchy situations, and then also just the the Lesotho. That's just such a remote. The Drakensberg Mountains are just so remote. So like anything goes goes wrong there, it just escalates so quickly. So when we actually did the project now, um, just. Like, you're always fine, but it just takes getting slightly lost or spraining an ankle and just having to stop for that five minutes, you would get hypothermia. Um, so, I mean, those were, like, some of the, the sketchy situations, just being completely out to a comfort zone, trying to... You so you're, of, not,
0: you're not running in nice, fair, warm weather and stuff like that.
1: It, yeah, exactly, and you're very remote. Like, the problem is, like, in Lesotho, like, if something goes, goes wrong, it can take you f- three or four days to get off the mountain, and it's not, like... Europe, where you can radio a helicopter and it can get up there. If there's bad weather or anything, no helicopter can get you. And that's why we actually opted to do one or two sections with with guys on horseback support, just more from a from a safety point of point of view. But yeah, I guess so. Yeah, for, for me, I think talking about UTMB again, I, th- I think like the biggest advice or like what i'm trying to work on is just as I, say, I like i still haven't been able to visualize myself running through the town of of chamonix and it's something i'm trying to do and when i say that that's where the race starts and finishes in 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 the town of, of chamonix and you run 160ks around mont blanc um so it's yeah i think it's, it's working on that i don't think that was initially the, the case early on but i think after the various the failures there's definitely a lot of self self-doubt going into into the, the race and then how did you, so what did you get from the Lesotho race
0: that you said you you couldn't see yourself finishing it, but you ended up, you did finish it. How did it? So what, what, do you, what do you take from that, but that potentially can translate to you, Mont
1: Blanc? Yeah, or as I say, like, I think kind of working through things, things mentally, I was, I was able to, to get to the point where I actually believed I could, I could finish Lesotho and from there I could actually start visualising things And it's weird, I was super anxious at the time because you start to panic and, as I say, I talk about dream givers, but like Red Bull have been amazing in in supporting these projects and obviously like filming stuff and helping with support and stuff. It it costs a lot of money. So you start to feel the pressure. It's like, like, if I can't see myself finishing it and I'm starting to have doubts, like how can I get other people to, or they'd already bought into the whole project, but you, yeah, you suddenly like, yeah there's like a lot like kind of a lot of baggage you, you all of a sudden starting to to carry but i said like as soon as I was, I was able to to work through that um and actually start to believe that i that I could finish the 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 project and could see myself finishing it's weird like you kind of start to like feel less anxiety you start to feel lighter on 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 your feet and kind of you're able to to be kind of i always say kind of Able to be the person that kind of um, entered the, the Gobi Desert race fourteen or twelve or fourteen years back, um, and that's and I think for me that that that's what I'm trying to get to when I get to the start line of of Ultra Trail Mont Blanc is just to as the same advice I would I would give Max like you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror afterwards and know you you'd given your absolute best whether it's it's good enough for hundredth place or first place or second place and not just kind of put too much pressure on yourself and not like just stop and like I feel at times I've maybe just put too much pressure on myself and I've stopped enjoying the 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 whole process. Um, Yeah, and I guess you just like I think I think you need to like like you're always going to have pressure going into a race and where I am now, anything I do, there's always going to be pressure. There's always going to be eyeballs on me. But for me, it's important to kind of use that, that pressure in, in a positive way. And you're gonna have a certain amount of anxiety. Like if, if you're not nervous before a race, then I know like I shouldn't be at that, that, that race or you, you kind of, yeah. if, if you, don't, if you don't, don't, don't feel that. But it's be, I guess just being able to, to use that in the right way and not just let it completely suffocate you and kind of crush you. Yeah, I mean, pressure is,
0: is always linked to a result. For sure. So it's like an either someone else's expectation of you delivering a result or you, your expectation of yourself delivering a result like winning. Yes. And the more you focus on the outcome that you want or someone else wants, well, that's where pressure comes from. And the antidote to that is, is to focus on giving your best effort, which brings you back into the present moment. So I mean, it's just a, I mean, it's a throwaway line that you know that the pressure just, it's just a sign to say, oh, I'm over-fixating on a result that I want or someone else wants for me. And that's where pressure comes from.
1: For sure. And I think it's like you say one of the things I think I've done well at ultra races is, is, is run your own own race. And I guess it's quite cliched, but just focusing on kind of me being able to get to the finish line as, as quick as I can. So like in an ultra race, you'll find a lot of guys start off really quickly and you find yourself in, in 20th position. It's important not to panic and just like keep going. But I think uh, maybe in the past, a race like Ultra Trail Mont Blanc have maybe started to worry. You suddenly like find yourself in 30th position after, after 10Ks and you like flip, like I'm having a shocker of, of a race. I'm going backwards here. I'm never gonna catch the guys. And you almost start kind of preparing yourself to, to fail. And then, yeah, then everything just just shuts down. Instead of just like not not, not panicking and just kind of kind of getting through one aid station at, at a time, taking it in, into bite-sized chunks and, and kind of going through through that and just seeing how it, how things turn out.
0: It's amazing, even at your level and experience of competition, you can at least you can see the mistakes you make and you know what you need to do as an antidote to those. But it still happens For sure. to all of us. And I guess yeah. that's the beauty of sport
1: is no yeah I- exactly uh, as i said that that's why i think i'm still i'm still here 14 years later or, or, a, or a big big part of me is because i still feel i'm always learning i always get get humbled and uh, like that's cool about ultra running you kind of you can never get too far ahead of yourself because you get kind of beat down pretty pretty quickly so you're nearly 40 or you're 40 years old now yeah. and you've got the ultra
0: trail mont blanc you still you've you've got some unfinished business what what else lies ahead for you in the in the near medium-term future for Iron Sands?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely, like, over the past few years, I've been, like, doing more projects. When I say more projects, setting, like, fastest known times, like we, what Raina and I did across the running the Great Himalaya Trail or kind of projects, which wasn't necessarily a fastest known time, but circumnavigating Lesotho on foot, like, I've kind of... I, I still enjoy competing, but I'm doing a lot less competing now. There are a couple of, of races like Ultra Shell, Mont Blanc, or Hard Rock that, that appeals to me, but to be honest, I think there are only about three or so races that like really inspire me and, and motivate me, and I know this late in my career, if I'm going to line up for a race, um, like it needs to motivate me 100%, because potentially physically, I'm maybe not at my peak, but I believe that like physically... I believe like the where i can improve the most now is is mentally so i like i need to be mentally uh, like 110 percent in invested um so i think that's from a racing point of view and like so, yeah, looking to to mix up the projects and, and and races um but yeah also like i love the sport and like don't want to go back to being a quantity surveyor so i also like Doing other other things, uh, getting in, in involved in, in in other things such as I've started 13 Peaks now, also Cape Town Trail Marathon, doing a, a number of mentorship programs, uh, which I find really rewarding. Um, to be honest, some of um, I did a recent mentorship program with Live to to Run um, and one or two of their their runners, and yeah, I almost walked away. They're feeling uh, I felt I felt bad because yeah, I was supposed to be mentoring um or kind of one specific runner we focused on or i focus on a lot senior viewer um i supposed to be be mentoring him and and i felt like i almost walked out of the program getting more from him out of it um so yeah i kind of yeah kind of don't know where i'm going with that but i mean it, it's kind of I, yeah I, I feel like that, that those kind of programs are, are really rewarding and, and that that's what inspires me to to keep running. Um, just to touch back on 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 um, He's yeah, kind of come from from the the live village in, in KZN, Come from an extremely tough background. Where his mom and dad passed away. Um, just kind of what he's over had to overcome to get to where he is now. It's just mind blowing. And um, Salomon actually did a did a, a small um, film on him, which we actually filmed it was like a week after I got back from UTMB last year, so I'd actually just dropped out of UTMB, kind of hanging my head like all bleak and and kind of upset with myself. And then suddenly went up to Durban and and filmed the scene of Rio and you just, I suddenly realised very quickly like I've got a hell of a lot to, to be grateful for and yeah, it's probably not the best thing to drop out of Ultra Trail Mont Blanc if it's the one race I'm focusing on and I'm a professional athlete, but like, Seeing what he he's over, overcome, it, it just gave me a lot of perspective. So, yeah, I think kind of working on on that, and and yeah, I think I want to stay involved in the in in the sport.
0: Um, if you could put one message up on a billboard for maybe not even young runners or young kids, what your message to the world? What through your experiences? What would it be?
1: I definitely say like kind of. Like don't 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 be scared to walk your own path or take your own own path. Um I think it's society now it's it's so easy to feel like you kind of get kind of pushed into taking a certain a certain direction. So I think just to be your own own person and not to not to worry too much about what people think of you. Um like as long as you can, as I said, look yourself in the mirror, like I think it's important not to be an arsehole or kind of be like harmful to other people, but I think if if you can just um, yeah just be happy and content with with your, your yourself. Um, so I remember as 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 a kid like being in, in in the Caribbean and there was this reggae singer and he, he sang a sang a song um, and it went along the lines of of happiness is is peace of mind and for me that's like so important. Like I know you can have everything you want, but if, if you don't have have peace of mind, you're never gonna gonna be happy. So I think you need a need to be content with with the path you, you're you taking um yeah i don't know if that yeah. that um but yeah i guess also i think so something like since my dad is, has passed something i'm really grateful for me is like kind of i went to him and like he was always my number one supporter if i was running in america he'd stay up through the night and kind of Analyze all the other competition and tell me who he thought was strong and etc. Um, but when I went him at the end or early 2019 and said I'm quitting my my job, I'm going to become a professional trail runner, but I've got enough money to make it for five or six months. But then I don't know what I'm going to do. I remember just his whole face dropped and he was like, "Are you sure that's that's what you that's what you you want want to do? We're about to go into a recession. Like you're doing well at your job, just." stick to stick to that and I was like no like I'm quitting things and and he supported me 100% so just I think I think he must have thought in in the back of his head there, there was a big chance that I was gonna I was gonna fail or, or it wasn't gonna gonna work out but like he backed me 100% to to kind of take that 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 path so I think it's like it's important I'd say to any kind of parent out there just to kind of yeah I guess kind of support your your kids in kind of what kind of journey they, they're going to take in life, even if you don't fully believe it's it's the right kind of path or, or direction for them. Beautiful. So peace of mind with choosing your own journey and as
0: a person sure. and as a parent, I mean, which we both parents of younger yeah, children, I to, to back some... your kids to walk their path as opposed to walk the path we think they should be walking. Yeah. I think, yeah. Is there anything that in that we haven't spoken about that coming to today yeah. you would love to have spoken about?
1: Um, I was saying actually, like, yeah, it came up now. I was just thinking, so, like, I went through one, actually haven't spoken about it. But, yeah, when we were in, in Lesotho, we actually had an incident where, where guys threw, threw rocks at our tent. Um, and it was, yeah, it was quite a... A hectic situation, and I'm trying to, th- like, I'm talking about it on, on the fly, so I'm trying to think, think about it without giving it too much detail. But again, as I mentioned, there, there's a lot of stock theft in, in the area, and these local herdsmen thought we were trying to steal their, their, um, their sheep. Um, so things got got heated, and yeah, they kind of threw, threw rocks at, at our tent. Luckily, the the guys on on horseback could could speak uh, local language, so we managed to to resolve things, um, and and really quickly the the, the kind of local herdsmen had realised they they had made a mistake. Um, the one guy was crying. The horses had run off in the in the commotion because it was the middle of the night. Everyone was freaked out, but uh, yeah, I guess they they kind of stayed there. The, the the whole night um, helped us find the horses in in the morning helped us and the one guy actually got on the the, the horse um, and and like helped us the like or helped us the, the next next day so he kind of we went about sixty k so he went sixty k's with us then jumped off the horse and said cool he's gonna walk back which probably would have taken him two or three days on his on his own feet but he felt obviously really bad about what what happened. Um, and it was actually that that night after it happened I was like I'm quitting the project like this is really hectic but it was it was quite a like quite a surreal experience the next day like having the guy ride with you that had kind of potentially like thrown rocks and kind of could have really harmed you um like ride with you and I think for me I've always been quite a black or white person It's like if if, um, if someone does things to me or kind of crosses me I'm like kind of stuff you kind of that's it, Like, I'm, maybe in some ways I'd like, I haven't forgiven enough in, in, in the past, and I think it was probably like, that, that's probably like, or that whole situation for me just really taught me like empathy. You never know someone's situation, um, and also chatting to the guys a bit more, um, they don't actually own the, the, the sheep, the, the, the herdsmen, they just look after them for the chiefs down below, and they get paid in sheep, so because the sheep had been getting stolen for the last couple of months, they hadn't been been paid or given sheep in a good couple of months. So, you just suddenly start to think like, how how would you react if you hadn't been paid a salary in in, in six six months? Um, and like just putting yourself in someone else's situ, situation. Um, so for me, like a big a big takeout from that was just really um, having having em- empathy. Like I think I realised by the end of, of that day and like seeing that the herdsmen like kind of go with us on, on, on foot like they were like really sorry for, for what they did and tried the best they could to to fix things so yeah I don't, I don't know if, if I'm going in, in the right direction but it's just yeah it's like a, it's been a like a big big takeout for me since since the Lesotho like at the time I thought like I was like quite like a taken back and it was quite a negative but it, it was just like something I just look back on now and like it's been like I look look back and just see it as like a real, like eye-opening experience. And also I just think kind of the world we live in today, also living in, in South Africa and Africa, like we come from such different backgrounds um, that, yeah, it's, it's like, I think we just have to kind of sometimes respect and, and kind of open our eyes and, and see where like kind of people have, have, have come from and, and have more understanding and empathy. Wow, I mean that's quite profound. So you, I
0: mean, what I hear there's you just you just never know somebody's story or the background to their story and we judge them on their behavior. So these guys threw some some rocks at you, which obviously I mean imagine it would be terrifying when you're out in the middle sure. of nowhere and just two of you and you're unarmed trying to run around a country and guys are throwing rocks. But then you hear the backstory and realize, you know, where that's come from. And then the other piece of like forgiveness, the fact that I mean, I'm blown, the guy's got on an a horseback and he's ridden 60 kilometres with you, almost as in his way to say sorry, and then he gets off and he's now going to walk home for two, three days. That, and he's not carrying a backpack with food no. and water, I'd imagine.
1: No, there's nothing. Intense. tents. No, he's got a pair of gum boots and a, and a blanket over him. So, boots and a blanket. He's and the weather t- was, yeah, and we are in, like, some proper weather, so it's like... And he's not walking along a flat dirt road. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah, as, as I say, like, looking back now, it's just... Yeah, it was really kind of quite touching for me. Sure, part of the journey is that we, you come with not an unexpected
0: journey, a lesson that you would have had running around a mountain range. For sure. Sure. If I could, if there was one really good question, one last question, a really good one that I could ask you, what would be a great question?
1: I, I thought I was gonna dodge it by the <laughs> last... No, no you, no, this, you knew, knew it was idea. coming. <laughs> um, yeah, so actually, I try to not not think about it too much. Um, I've, I don't remember I went to like a uh, like a presentation saying a while back with 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 Red Bull, and I really enjoy, it. like the guy speaking. I forgot his his name now, um, but he just like asking all of us like if if you could write your obituary, like what what would it be? And I think. I, don't know, I think that's a really good good question for for anyone because it really and you you kind of you needed like write your obituary in like three or four lines to so really kind of sum up your, yourself. Um, I think it really puts like it's not it's not saying easy to do, but I think it, it like can really put things in, in perspective for you and and what um, and what's and what's important. Um, I think just like two or three years ago, going to my dad's funeral and just like hearing how everyone. Said what a what a kind person he was and how generous he was and I, I just remember thinking there like flip, I can achieve all I want in 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 sport and win as many races but like for people to to be at my funeral or um, memorial uh, or to like look look back on one day and to say geez, like like he was super kind he did like so much for the community or, or gave gave back I think that's like. Would, would be the, the ultimate um, for for me so yeah I kind of haven't haven't put pen to paper to, to write it yet but I, th- I think that would be like a, a really good question I think I'd, it's something I'd, I challenge people to to think about I think it, it kind of sometimes gives you a lot of perspective and kind of makes you realize what what is important in, in life and what is not yeah. I think we can like in life. The life we live, live in, I often find we always like, and I often find, and I guess I sometimes make the same mistake. You kind of like, if you if you you kind of you want to feel like busy and like you like I say, Patty, how's it going? You're like, jeez, it's been hectic. I haven't stopped for six months. I haven't had a chance to do anything, and it's almost like it's like cool. I like a, kind of I give you a high five for that, and and we go on. Where yeah, I, I think we sometimes like missing things. Like, we're just way too way too busy. We often have too much on the go. We kind of just caught in this information bubble of just this, like, we're just bombarded with stuff. And that, that's something I love about running. And there are times, like, people say, like, how can you go and run on Table Mountain for, for eight hours on your own? And it's, like, in that that space that I'm able to just, like, really be in my own bubble. And you're kind of able to to kind of get away from all the... All the noise and realize what's important. So I think, yeah, looking looking at at that, you can actually really just see what's in, what's important in life and what you should be focusing on on in life. Yeah, sure, a lot of great stuff
0: there. I mean, I, I so agree with you there. That like busyness is not an accomplishment, but for some reason people see busyness as an accomplishment. Sure. I think it's bullshit. No, it's crazy. Uh, like, and also the other people, the other. bit you talk about, you know, in you've got a whole lot of trophies in your cabinet. But at the end of the road, that's not what you want people to be talking about at your obituary, at your funeral. You know, it's about what kind of person you're being, and it's something that I, you know, I, I go on about all the time. About, you know, with athletes, that your your results are one thing, but who you're being as a person is probably more important because that lasts longer and way gets remembered more. And you're a person not longer than you are an athlete. Um, You know, and gone are the days when you can be a high-performing dickhead, whether it's in the business space or the sports space, because you just don't have any regard. And actually, it's a very short-term or medium-term approach. Success doesn't last compared to the kind of person you're being, that kind, generous, empathetic you spoke about. That's that's actually the stuff that counts in the context of life. And the trophies along the way are nice, and the, the 4K trophy that you got with your dog, is, you know, the one that you remember the most, yeah. enjoyed the most.
1: Sure.
0: So give us one line then, I'm not gonna let you off, give us one line of your obituary, and it's not the finished product, but give us your best stab a one line. What do you want people to say about Ryan Sands at your obituary?
1: Um, and stick
0: around for a while though, by the
1: way, you don't have to go yet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I definitely, like as I say, like things like, maybe I'll, I'll go for four, four words. Uh, like, I think like, gen- generosity and i think just being being able to to give back like um i think again i keep i keep dodging the the question but i I remember the other other day being on table mountain and running and someone said i remember like overhearing a group of hikers or or runners saying oh there's there's ryan sands he started 13 peaks and like for me that was like the best thing because i feel like it's i've started 13 peaks and something i'm giving back and I've created something that that people can go do and have a cool experience. It's not like, oh, there's Ryan Sands, he won Western States or dropped out of UTMB four times. Like I think they've, I've had the performance part of me, like the, because I guess all professional sportsmen even chatting to JP Germany the other day, is like your whole career, everything's, like performance is attached to you. Like people love you because you perform and it's it's about performance And, and for me, like when I die one day, I don't want it to be about the performance. I want it to be about the person I am, and, and and being a good a good person. And for for Max, like my son, to to look up and say like Flip, like my dad was was an awesome dad. It's not like like he was a fast runner or kind of did this or that. So the legacy you leave as a person, I mean, I get that. And you've used words
0: generosity and the thirteen peaks is leaving a legacy that lasts forever. You you win the Western um, States, Western yeah, it's, States it's, it's but the next temporary. year someone else won it and the year before someone else won it. And eventually, you know, no one really remembers no. who won the World Cup in whenever it was. But.
1: No. Yeah, I, I, yeah, especially I think stuff like that, like I guess, not going off on a tangent, but I think saying like, say winning the the Rugby World Cup or like you so say, if you could win like a Cricket World Cup, I, th- I think the, the amazing thing about that, I think the actual part that we're, the 11 players on the field or the 15 players on the field win the World Cup and lift the trophy I think that's like doesn't mean a lot but I think that the fact that it can unite a nation and kind of get people from totally different backgrounds celebrating together I think that's like that's the, the big out- outcome. It's got nothing to do about the actual performance on the on, on, on the field I don't know if, if that makes yeah. sense. What have we are yeah. Awesome. Cool.
0: Sure. Thank you so much. Thank I'm you one for saying yes. Uh, it's so awesome that we actually got to sit down in the same place eventually. For sure. The travels. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed what, what you, I mean, we could carry on talking for ages, but thank you so much. Uh, we'll chat some more about the UT, uh, the Ultra uh, Mont Blanc. Yeah, for sure. You still got some running to do, um, sure. and hopefully, see in the water. So sure soon
1: there's a nice winter swell around Cape Town yeah, at the moment. Nice. Uh, looks like winter's, winter's here. But yeah, thanks, thanks so much again and keep up the keep up the podcast. So really, really enjoying them.
0: Wow, what a fascinating conversation and exploration into the world of arguably one of the greatest ultra trail runners. And amazingly, a journey that started with a run to justify the beer he would drink at a party weekend. A big thank you to Ryan for being so willing and open to share as you did. And as always, a sincere thank you to you the listener for offering your valuable time to listen in. If you got some value from this, please do rate and comment on the show and it would be awesome if you share this with others who you feel might gain value from Ryan's story and lessons. That's it from me, Paddy Upton. See you in two weeks time for the next episode of Lessons from the World's Best.